going through. Our focus is not on the circumstance or the situation, the problem, the pain, or the giant, or the mountain. Our, our focus is not upon the hereditary curses. Our focus is not upon that, that, that sin that so easily besets us. How, do, how can we be born-again believers, but yet we fall into sin on a quite regular basis? How can that be? Well, I just want to say welcome to humanity. You can kind of even chuckle, give me a sympathy laugh, something. There are going to be problems. There are going to be pains. You're going to, you're going to be tripped up. There are hereditary curses. There, there are familiar spirits that are trying to hunt you down. But I want to tell you, we got to stop focusing on what the enemy is doing. You will never solve a problem by looking at the problem. You will never take over a situation, a hereditary curse, by spending time studying it. I want you to do one thing this morning, and I'm going to read a scripture to you, and then we're going to activate it. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. And if you have your Bibles, oh, um, maybe just a little bit, not all the way up, but just a little bit. Can we all go back to paper? It makes me kind of nervous when, when uh, I don't hear paper rattling. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, say one thing I do. Paul the Apostle says this, one thing I do. One thing that I do. Paul the Apostle is bringing an emphasis because he's bringing a hyperbolic statement. He is, he's bringing a statement that is way over on the pendulum. He said, this one thing. Well, I'm sure he did some other things that day, but he's saying, this is one very important thing that I do. Do you understand what he's trying to say? He's not saying, this is the only thing I do. He didn't say, this is the only thing. But this is one of the most important things that I do. Somebody say, this is what I do. It's one thing I do. Somebody say, forgetting. Say, Father, give me amnesia for the plans of the enemy. Give me amnesia about the attacks of the enemy. The enemy has come against us so many times and so in, in that one specific place that all he has to do is barely just touch it and we are automatically skating down a river of his decision. The enemy has been, been so focused 
on, on, on piercing a certain area and coming against you in a certain area. And I want to tell you that certain area that he is coming against is the area of your life that you're going to bring the greatest deliverance to humanity. That was a really good place for an amen. That weakness is not your determination. That weakness is not your identification. That weakness, that area of your life that you've been trying to, to fight through, and that, that area that, that is your weak place, the, the place that you always fail in, that place is not your identification. That is your entranceway into uh, healing and deliverance and, and freedom and liberty for other people all around you. If you will slay that dragon, if you will stand up in the midst of a people and you will say, Father God, I need you. I need you more today than ever before. If I can find some people that will unlock their voices and begin to shout unto God with a voice of triumph, I will see a people that will begin to live in victory like never before. Say, my voice brings my victory. She's helping me preach. Say, my victory is within my voice. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing was made except it was made by a spoken word. Everything you see all around us is all created by a spoken word. This world responds to what it is made up out of. Can you say this? There is deliverance in my declaration. What Dan was saying earlier is we got to use our voice. We got to declare. We got to decree. We got to we got to pray. We got to speak things. God is wanting us to speak things, but before we can even get to there, we need to do one thing. We need to begin to forget one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Say the past is the past. Paul the Apostle, the greatest mind, studied at the, uh, of the law, one of the greatest minds that ever was about the law, the Judaic law, the law of Moses, the 613 laws. He was perfect in them. He kept them. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, 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 he studied at the feet of Gamaliel, the, the greatest mind of the law. And he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. You need amnesia about the attacks of the enemy because we put so much credence and we put so much value upon what the enemy has done. We look at the mountain of our past. We look at the mountain of sin. We look at the mountain of weakness. We look at the mountain of divorce. We look at the mountain of separation. We're looking at these mountains and we are saying, oh mountain, you are so great in my family. I will never be able to overcome. No, you don't say that, but you say that because we do that. 
we're looking at those things. And we're thinking in our heart, I'll never be able to overcome. My family family will never be able to overcome this one. This situation is too big for me. This problem has come up so many times. I, I don't know what to do. And I want to tell you, you need this morning, I want to encourage you this morning to forget the things that are behind. Father God, this morning I'm asking for a grace. Can you just put your right hand on your head right now? Father God, in Jesus' name, I just speak to those synapses, the neurogular, the neurons, the gray matter, the, 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 the neurological pathways that problems and pains and circumstances, Lord God, and and sins of the past, Lord God, all these things, Lord God, that have been, been, Lord God, grooved into our thinking process, Lord God. I'm asking for them to be removed now. I'm asking for a rerouting, Lord God, by the word of God. Father God, I'm asking for your word to go in this morning into the, into the recesses of our minds and into the pathways and the, the, the gray matter, Lord God, of our brains, Lord God, and begin to reroute and begin to restore, Lord God, and begin to create straight paths, Lord God, this morning in Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ against every hereditary curse, Lord God. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ against every negative thought and every thought that trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. And I command uh, those uh, thoughts to come down in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does everybody, everybody just close your eyes for just a quick second. I just want to do a little survey. Did anybody feel anything leave your head? Yeah, amen. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Several people raised their hands and said yes. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for a, a new mind. Say, Father, I thank you for the mind of Christ templating my mind and removing my thoughts and replacing them with Christ's thoughts in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The enemy has been trying to catch you. He's trying to get you caught up. This is not the area I was going to go in this morning, but I, I, I feel it's more important that I obey the Holy Spirit. Um, the enemy has been trying to catch you. In John chapter 10... Verse 12, actually, John chapter 10, verse 11, if you want to turn there, go ahead. Jesus is being described as the door. Jesus is being described as the good shepherd. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, when one one who does not, own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep, and flees, and the wolf catches, somebody say catches, the sheep, and scatters them. And I found that very interesting one day when I was reading the Bible, and I came across this scripture. And it says that the job of the enemy is to catch the sheep. Well, that word catch there is the Greek word harpezo. Somebody say harpezo. Harpezo 
is the same word that is used in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4 where the catching away of the saints. It's the, it's the catching up. The enemy's been trying to catch you up. The enemy's trying to get your focus and he's trying to get your attention and he's trying to get you to trespass. He's trying to get you off the path. He's trying to get you on his path. He's trying to distribute to you a destiny that is contrary to God's dream for you. And he does it by trying to catch you up in your circumstance and in your situation. He's trying to draw you into focusing on your past. But Paul the Apostle says, for this one thing I do, this is a gift from heaven that you can forget about your past because he took your sins and he took them and he cast them into the sea of his forgetfulness. He cast them as far as it is from the east to the west and there is no circumference. It's not coming back around and revisiting. It's just continually flowing, continually going in one direction eternally never to be regained. Say thank God. You are literally a brand new creation. And this is why I'm here this morning. I think my task this morning is to remind you of your greatness, to remind you that you are an answer, to remind you you are a solution, to remind you that you came to destroy the works of the evil one, to remind you that you're an answer and a solution to your village, to your family, to your city, to your name, to remind you that you are about to release a solution that is going to shift and change. You are about to step into some treasures. You're about to step into some promises. You're about to step into some things that you've never thought possible, that you've never even dreamed about. God is about to open up that windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain if we could just forget those things that are behind. The enemy is trying to capture your thoughts by keeping you in the past. Can you look at me? The enemy is trying to capture you trying to get you caught up, harpezo, the catching up of the saints. God is trying to catch you up as well. He's saying things like, come up here. He's saying things in Colossians chapter 3. Do not focus on the things of the earth. Focus on the things that are above where I am seated. How do you do that? You just have to. You have to by getting into the presence of God. The presence of God is your vital need. Psalms chapter 27 verse 8 says, seek my face, require my, require my presence as your vital need. Say, God, your presence is my vital need. When you wake up in the morning and you don't have time for coffee, when you wake up in the morning, you don't have time for breakfast. When you wake up in the morning, you don't have time to wash. When you wake up and you got to be to work in, in 10 minutes and you got a 40-minute drive. One thing you must have time for is for his presence. 
Say, Father, give me a grace to cultivate a life of your presence. The greatest treasure that you can unlock in this realm is his presence. His presence. His presence. When I came home from visiting my father, who was in jail, and I'm driving away, and I don't know what to do. And I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. And I have to do something. And I don't know what to do. And I just begin to cry out. I just begin to cry out to my father. And I want to tell you, top three moments in my life is when his presence invaded my cab of my truck. And everything was eclipsed by that one moment of majesty, of the magnitude of his presence. I don't like that, I'm ha- that, I'm, that God wants me to be vulnerable like this because I'm a man and I don't want to be vulnerable. I want to be the answer. I want to kick butt and take numbers. I want to I save the princess, take a land. Slay a dragon. But you will never do that until you understand the vulnerability and find yourself in those moments where his presence begins to outweigh every circumstance. When you are in those valleys and those pits, And the next day, you're still alive is a testimony. His presence must become, for us to do and decree and declare and create with God new things that never were. When to do all that, we must get back to the basics of spending time in the presence of God. We need to foster an anointing that is found only in the presence of a living God. There is a resurrection power of God that wants to come out of you, but it just doesn't happen unless you spend time. Sure, there's times where you cry out and, and a healing and a miracle comes, but for you to operate in continual healings, and to, for you to operate continually with intentionality, there must be time spent in the presence. The enemy is trying to catch you up and keep you contained by your past. Say, I'm forgetting. There's muscle memory that happens in your life. Happens in your soul as well. There's things that trigger 
Like, you probably haven't noticed this, but I haven't been to the gym in a few days. But when I do go back to the gym, this athletic, fine-tuned specimen will begin to retake shape at a quicker level, actually, than it was when I first began. Because you actually, I have spent some time in the gym, and you develop muscle memory. There's memory in your muscle. And when you go back and you begin to work that muscle, it will grow faster than it did the very first time because there's muscle memory. But there's also muscle memory in a joint. There's also, there's, there's this memory that is in, like you, you hurt your, your leg or, or, or there was a certain thing that you were dealing with that I dealt with gout for years. And as soon as gout would come and it would begin, I feel this little pain in my, in my big toe and I knew, oh, no, everything's going to be swollen up. And, oh, no, I'm going to. And I had muscle memory. And I began to agree with the very attack coming against my body. So it's good and bad. But the enemy is trying to train you. So when this happens, this happens. When this thought comes, oh no, now I'm going to be weeks trying to get back to God because, because this happened and that triggered this. He's always giving a louder noise to out amplify the lesser noise. Can you hear me? He's trying to offer. You know, you, you slipped up and you, you looked at something on the internet you shouldn't have. He said, oh man. And then he says, well, then the thought comes, well, I might as well have a drink now. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, not just a drink. A multitudinous of drinks. And he's offering a louder noise to to quench out the first noise that he gave you. And the enemy is just trying this head game. The battleground is the mind. We must gain access to our own minds. We must take authority over every thought and every thought that is trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. And what is the knowledge of Christ? The knowledge of Christ is liberty. The knowledge of Christ is salvation. The knowledge of Christ is deliverance. The knowledge of Christ is prosperity. The knowledge of Christ, he, the enemy is trying to bring a thought to stop you from living the life that he predestined for you to live. Say, I am. Forgetting those things that are behind. I have five minutes to disseminate about 13 pages of notes. Father, give me grace. I have four minutes. Actually, I have 12, negative 12 minutes. If the truth be, if the truth be known, a few about a month ago, I was preaching here, and I began to talk about the decade that we're entering into, the decade of pay. Pay is the 
it numerically in the Hebrew language, pay is 80. The, it, we are in the year 5780, which uh, is at Rosh Hashanah, September of this past year. We entered into a, a new decade in the Hebrew calendar. We're about to enter into a new decade in the Gregorian calendar. Pay is, it looks like, pictographically, it looks like an open mouth. So a lot of people are, are talking about the voice. A lot of people are talking about declaring. A lot of people are talking about sound. And I am in agreement that we have been seeing and we've been hearing Magda, and we've been perceiving things in the spirit. And there's been restoration to visions and dreams. We've learned how to soak and we learned how to connect with God. But we, we must have intimacy with God. We must be obedient to God. But if we have intimacy and we're, we're being loved by God and we're loving God and, and we're, we're going where we're supposed to go and we're being obedient, but if we do not declare what he is calling for us to declare over our lives, he will not have the day that he needs to bring salvation to this world. So we're in this incredible season of not just seeing and hearing and receiving, but we're in this season of manifesting and creating with God. Isaiah 48, 6 and 7 says, you see all this, you hear all this, but you won't declare it. I did not create everything in the beginning. I am creating some things right now. He is looking for partnership on this planet to begin to create something that never has been for. He is looking for partnership on this planet to begin to speak things and call things forth and, and begin to bring healing and deliverance to this world. He's looking for somebody to create a reservoir for his presence through their mouth. The enemy has tried to shut you up and sits you down with circumstances and situations. He's trying to silence you. Can I, can I say to you this morning, cast off those shackles of tyranny, of silence, and begin to raise your voice again, Mike, and begin to declare his greatness again. And begin to shatter the shackles in people's lives. Your sound in your sphere of influence will shatter the shackles if he can hear your voice again. This world is waiting to hear the reverberation of the sound that is coming out of your life. Wish I have time to talk to you about so many testimonies about sounds. But I think we've accomplished what God wanted us to do. I don't know, uh, Matt or somebody, can you go to the keys or to the, what's that? Are you, there you are. Thank you. Is that, your, is that your new guitar? How do you like it? That's awesome. The world is 